an enormous amount of time, money, effort, and good intentions goes into scientific research. But all too often, the results aren't effectively communicated. The goal of Beyond the Jargon is to make academic research more accessible to a wider audience. I'm Dr. Karen Albright. I hope you'll join me for a series of conversations designed to translate scientific research and to explore from a data-driven perspective the impacts of child abuse on our psychological, family, healthcare, criminal justice, and social systems. Come with me, Beyond the Jargon. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Beyond the Jargon. I'm your host, Karen Albright. I'm so happy to be welcoming today Charmaine Joyner, the program manager for Project Catch, which is a program of the Salvation Army Wake County in North Carolina that began in 2011. So CATCH is an acronym that stands for Community Action Targeting Children Who Are Homeless. And Charmaine is the uh, program manager for Project Catch, and the program itself is a collaborative case management model that provides youth-focused services to children ages 0 to 18 years old who are experiencing homelessness. Charmaine holds a Master of Social Work and a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology from North Carolina's Fayetteville State University. Charmaine, we are so happy to have you here. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Great. Well, I'd love to start our discussion today, as I like to do, by letting our audience get to know you a bit. So how did you come to this line of work? So I've always grown up just wanting to help people. Like I always had like this hospitality mindset, like, oh, let me help. Let me help. But of course, I never knew what I wanted to do. <laughs> sure. I- I'm, I'm familiar with that. Yep. <laughs> so I had a mom that's like, OK, you're going to college. So I was like, OK. Sure. (laughs) So I just ended up going to college and I made an A in like a lot of the psychology and sociology courses that I took at Fayetteville State. And then I just learned how I was really good at like social work and sociology. I don't know if you know, uh, but I am, I have a sociology background as well. So yeah. So I love actually in the course of my work and particularly uh, work around this podcast and things like that, I feel like I've come across so many people who have sociology and or social work backgrounds. And I just love it because it's near and dear to my heart. And I think the work is so important. So thumbs up to you. (laughs) So crazy. That's so good to know, though. I don't meet too many people who have the um, sociology part. They're always like, what do you do with that? (laughs) Tell me about that, too. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a big question for the discipline. But but the real answer is just like with social work, you can do so many things with sociology. And I'm sure that and especially the two together, sociology and social work probably help you so much in, in your current role. Yeah, definitely has. It just helped me kind of figure things out because I have both degrees. So I've been everywhere you can name it. Like I've worked in the prison system. I worked with rehabilitation. I worked with teenagers and group homes, substance abuse, more so. And I have more experience work with kids. But yeah, it took me so many ways to figure out what to do. But the beautiful thing about social work is people need help. There's so many different vulnerable populations. So you can change your hat new every new way to help somebody. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And it's really good and important work that you're doing. How did you find your way to the Salvation Army of Wake County? 
I was on this like this random quest in my mind, like, oh, I need to find like a career that I really love and passionate about, like people know it. And I kept applying to go to work at Salvation Army. And I remember to the point where some of the positions, I didn't even know what they were, but I was applying. So I was huh. like, I was, <laughs> I need because, to and, and why is that? Because you thought so highly of the organization? Yes. Like after just all my research, I kind of felt like, you know, with social work and sociology, you have to be unbiased. And then with me having like a faith based background, you can't really put that into your work. But I do know I want to give back to others as Christians do. So I felt like, you know, the Salvation Army is one of the largest. So I got to get in there. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And I know, of course, that the Salvation Army does, as you already alluded to, so much important work. There's so many programs, certainly at Wake County, um, but also, of course, in Salvation Armies across the nation. And in fact, um, a little while back, we talked with the Director of Social Services, Stephen Groover, who, of course, you work with, and he was sharing about some really great programs that, uh, that are happening there. But we didn't talk much about Project Catch, because I was hoping to you know, talk with you directly about that. And I'd love to to learn a little bit more about that today. And yeah, maybe you can just sort of explain to me a little bit about the broader context that Project Catch is operating in at the Salvation Army of Wake County. Yes, yes. So again, Project Catch, we've been with the Salvation Army since 2011. And as you stated, we just try to make sure we're bridging that gap between children who are homeless and their education as being priority. Always try to go back to the adverse childhood experiences that people may know about, or just try to teach them about this because all of us are, you know, go through different childhood experiences that affect our future. So, you know, with Project Catch, what we try to do is just make sure that we support the whole family as a whole by going through that traumatic event of homelessness and make sure we equip them with the services that they need. So we just provide so many different resources for them and just try to provide that wraparound service. So what we do, we also want to meet that cognitive, that social emotional development of a child. So we just try to also support them with giving them case management. We want to support them by just trying to point them in the right direction to oversee those barriers, give them more information that pertains to the well-being and getting a quality child care facility, such as like Head Start or early childhood programs. Then we also want to make sure that we're supporting the parents by offering them support groups to know how to work with each other and then just working back out into the community and just, you know, getting more resources. So we try to be that linking agency. I love that. That's so important to to do. And I feel like there's that's often where certain programs break down, right? Because one program can't do every single thing. You have to be linked to other resources and organizations in order to help provide all of the services, all the wraparound services that that are needed. But um, but I think often those re- uh, referrals or that that process of referring out is where a lot of things break down. So tell me a little bit about like how Project Catch came to be. What What is its history? So with their history, so I technically have been with Project Catch since 2021. So I just came in as a case manager and just grew with my predecessor in place, um, Shakita Mildrow. And so since I've been with Project Catch, what we always try to do for sure within a community is always try to make sure that we're building the relationship with our community partners. So we can't really be a true linking agency if we really don't build those relationships. So what we try to do is we always try to make sure that we create like community meeting, partnership meeting with 
other partners within the community of Wake County. So what we have done over the years is just create that partnership. So currently we have 36 community partners and we meet once a month and just try to, you know, brainstorm together how we can help each other. Wow. 36 community partners. That's incredible. And so I want to hear more about those community partners. I'd love to know. And also, do you meet with all 36 once a month? So, of course, you know, with that social work life and working with the community, things come up. So we do try to offer it (laughs) online. We do try to do once a month, the first Tuesday of every month. And we do try to meet together and just try to just fellowship a little bit. We want to make sure that we get to see each other faces. You know, with COVID, everything's been so virtual. But we do we do offer it to be virtual as well. And just always sending out emails of all the community partners, updates and events. And is the idea with these connections with these community partners is is the idea to I guess you you said this already really but you know provide status updates about what's going on but then also what kind of understand what what resources other places might be able to offer and then you connect them with certain families or how does it work? So yeah, we kind of just want to make sure that we're up to date on a lot of the organizations. A a lot of changes happen within social work and you kind of got to stay current. I've noticed as soon as you meet someone and know what's going on one month, two months later, they may have new funding. So they're doing something different. So we always want to make sure that we know who is the best contact and how to support the family at their best. So that means if I need a therapist to kind of help with individual counseling because they're going through trauma I know who to meet with because I have a partnership with Tammy Lynn Center. Or if I know mom having a hard time going to work, I'll refer her to Step Up Ministries where they have a program to get the parents job ready. Um, But then also refer them to go to Wake Smart Start and CCRNR to make sure they can find a child care facility for like Head Start or anything like that. So just the whole like linking piece, like that's what Project Catch tries to do is just make it make sense for the client so they can relax a little while they're going through homelessness. That is incredible. Yeah. I mean, so needed and so important. Roughly how many families would you say you have at Project Catch at any given time? So of course, like with me starting as a case manager, I kind of started off my caseload was about 40 a month. Um, wow. But with this, yeah. Yeah. It was, wow. it was a That's lot. very sobering. Mm. Yes. However, um, now we currently have Miss Tammy Richardson in that role and we picked up the partnerships. So we have she handles about like maybe 50 to 60. However, sometimes homelessness with dealing with homeless families. Sometimes I speak to them once a month. Sometimes we only speak to them when they need things, which we understand we're not priority on their list, but we always try to make sure we keep that open lines with them so they can always come back if they need services because they're going through transition. And how do they find you? How do the families come into the fold in the first place? Is is the Salvation Army of Wake County so well known? Is that, you know, what? how are the, what's the conduit or, or what's the path to you? So we have so many different ways. And yes, Having that support from the Salvation Army always leads us to get a lot of self-referrals. A lot of people, they understand our program. So when they come to the Salvation Army, the staff know, okay, you have a child. Let's get you to Project Catch. 
Also, we have community partnership with McKinney Vento Liaisons at our school. So school social workers or APs send us different referrals from their agencies. We also have partnerships with, of course, the other 36, so they may send referrals. And then, of course, we have Oak City Cares, which is our access hub coordinated entry for Wake County. And they also, we have a partnership with them as well. So they're very helpful whenever they see a child, they want to make sure they get them to Project Catch. That sounds so great. It's not, it really underscores the importance of being embedded in a community if you're really going to be able to provide people that wraparound service that, that, that you were mentioning before. So you know that the focus of, of our podcast is in within the domain of child abuse and neglect or child trauma. And so I'd love your thoughts about how Project Catch impacts children. I mean, clearly, given what you've already said, I can I can imagine some some clear ways. But I'd love to hear from you about how Project Catch impacts children and or intersects with the world of child abuse and neglect. You know, what are some of the ways you've seen it help children? Yeah, I do think like, of course, with Project Catch with us trying to get to the child and make sure we support the child during during this process, we always try to offer assessments for those parents so they can actually see what's going on. So that way, when they're in school, they can get all the support that they need. So assessments is always one of our first options is to make sure we get a client to get that, our case manager to do assessments to kind of see like where they are or refer them to an agency who can provide a clinical assessment if needed. So that's one option. Meaning for, I'm sorry to interrupt, meaning the assessments in terms of uh, physical or mental assessments or psychological assessments? Yeah. Yeah. Social, um, social, like um, the social skills of the child, that cognitive placement of a child. We want to just end the development because of course, like through trauma, you have to make sure you watch those first five years of a child's development of their brain. So we just try to make sure they're on target based upon, you know, what they've been through. And then sometimes we we have clients that are through Southlight program. And of course, we want to make sure that we support the children who may have come across any substance abuse. So we want to make sure we get ahead of it. That's so important. So critical. That's, that is fantastic. And what's a day in your work life like? You know, you've already mentioned, I mean, you've mentioned a lot of things that are happening that Project Catch does. And you've also mentioned, of course, meeting with the community partners. Um, but what kinds of things make up a day in your in your life as, as the program manager for, or for this, or is it so varied that it's really impossible to describe? I can give you a breakdown. So with Project Catch, we technically have like three little sub groups underneath us. So of course we have our case management. So we to provide that direct service to the client. Then we have our actual support groups, which is circle of parent, which is under prevent child abuse in North Carolina. So we're real advocates of, preventing child abuse. What we try to do is have groups for children and groups for the parents so they can be able to have that open space to talk to their peers about what's going on and it's parent-led and just learn more resources to strengthen their self as a family dynamic. And then we also have a grant under DCDEE, which is the Division of Early Childhood Education. Under that, we try to make sure we have that outreach piece. So we try to make sure we go out and do trainings for our community partners, make sure they're aware of how to work with a family who is going through transition. We also try to make sure we train other child care facilities on how to work with their children who may have some type of trauma. And then we offer outreach events like our biggest one, which is our back to school bash, which we just completed those. 
that's exciting. And that sounds like quite the full schedule. And so you're, you're essentially running all of these things. I mean, in partnership with others, I'm sure, but you are keeping all the trains running with all of those different aspects. I definitely would love to say that. I definitely know I switch hats a lot throughout the day, so I couldn't even give you a full day, but I definitely know I have a great team that love and very passionate about children and their work. So it helps relieve the load and I'm just there to kind of support them and encourage them and advocate to make sure that we get these things done. That's fantastic. Now, another focus, of course, as you may know here at Beyond the Jargon is trying to translate or communicate or disseminate information about research and sort of showing our audience or telling our audience uh, different ways that research or data are used in the course of work outside the ivory tower of academia. And so this is one of the reasons that I love this program, because it really seems that you all do a great job with that. And you're really, you know, putting different insights into action. And so I wonder if you could describe for us a little bit about how you do use research or data in your work and why you have chosen to approach it that way. So yeah, so we Project Catch is really big on, like you said, on having that data. It kind of supports us to be able to not only get funded, but also just to be able to show like the increase that North Carolina, we wish, we wish. (laughs) Someday, next week. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm at every week. I'm trying. So, but in North Carolina, we want to make sure like we show the increase or the decrease. So, and we don't know that unless we see the numbers. So Project Catch try to make sure we stay current with McKinney-Vento liaisons on the homelessness in the school systems. And then also just staying current in what's going on in the state of North Carolina and see like where we can meet the gap or just fulfill that need. Um, So yeah, we definitely do a lot of stats. Um, We have one in particular we always look into is how one out of 26 children under the age of six in North Carolina are homeless and living in a shelter, which is pretty oh, high. One in 26? Yes, oh, very, very high. Devastating. Mm. It really is. So, But then when you push it like even further, it sta- then breaks down to one in one out of 23 children under the age of six aren't even in programs. So also North Carolina, we rate that 92% of our children under that age of six are not even in some type of early childhood education program. So we're underserving. 92%. 92% are underserved. Wow. That is, that is a shocking number. You're saying 92% of all North Carolina children or ones Just that are in homelessness? homelessness. In homelessness okay. under okay. the age of six. Wow. Well, it sounds like then you have, uh, not only are you doing good work, but there's a lot of room to continue to to have impact exactly like exactly that's exactly how I look at it like there's so many opportunities for our children to be successful so we have to get them into our programs that's why they're here Um, we have early head start we have head start we also have those McKinney Vento early childhood programs um, such as head start I'm missing one heads please forgive me they're gonna kill me I say it all the time and now I'm over here stuck, but that's okay. That often happens to me too. Just don't think about it and it'll come to you, you know, in in a natural way. Did it come natural? See how (laughs) (laughs) there you go. 
It's childcare subsidy um, is a big one that we always promote. Childcare subsidy and CCRNR, they help you find those facilities for those children to make sure that they feel comfortable sending their children to these quality childcare facilities and making sure that they get a good education. So CCRNR and that childcare subsidy help that. And then they also can provide vouchers for some of our families, which is very necessary when they're going in transition. That's great. And do you evaluate the success or impact of these programs in other ways besides tracking, uh, you know, numbers in terms of how many people are, are getting them? Are there other statistics you use to understand what impact they've had or, or is that something for the future? It's really something that we're trying to hope for the um, future to just continue going forward on. Um, we do just try to track it in knowing the gap to make sure that we're getting them in the programs. We also try to make sure that even like within Project Catch, how many of our families that we've actually spoken with and touch have actually applied for childcare subsidy and actually got it. Because sometimes it's kind of hard when you're in transition, you may not be able to keep it one track mind and we're just trying to there to support you. But we understand that instability that is going on that we want to try to be there for you guys. But I do know that sometimes that kind of hinders from being priority when they're trying to just find somewhere to sleep every day. So we do Absolutely. try to data. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, right there, I mean, there's, there's first order needs and then, you know, and then there's the things that can come after that. But if a family uh, or person for that matter is trying to just find a where they can have shelter and a place to sleep, then uh, everything that that's, that's probably number one, right? And then and then everything else comes from that. Sometimes sharing those numbers with the clients help them feel a little bit better because they don't know that there's other people like them. Sometimes they feel harder on themselves without doing it. So sometimes I like to share those numbers to them as well um, and let them know that they're not alone. I even like to share a lot of the people that I just talked to, like service providers that technically we may all be like two, three checks away from being homeless ourselves. And you wouldn't know where to start either. So we have to be able to connect with each other and know what's going on so we can eliminate some of those barriers to get kids into these programs. Charmaine, I'm so glad that you just said that because that to me is so profound. I can imagine how helpful that is, how comforting that is to hear that. And it's, I don't, I'm struggling for a word beyond lovely, but I'll just settle with lovely. It's lovely that you do that. It's it's really thoughtful and I'm sure it it eases their mind to some degree to know that they're not alone. I I really respect that and appreciate that. That's a that's a wonderful human thing to do. And you know, it kind of segues nicely into uh into my next question and that is that I'm wondering if you can comment a little bit about how you think the work of Project Catch contributes to our knowledge of child abuse and neglect? You know, what have you learned or seen while you've been working in the program about what these kind of things can do for children? I think for me, like just having that access to stability for the child is definitely helps the child's behaviors. With that sociology degree in me, I always pay attention to behaviors unknowingly, but I can notice how a child is once They've been trying to be in that survival mode with their mom in the car, making sure they keep watch to make sure no one's watching them or even in the shelter to then actually going to school and being safe with their teacher and actually 
feeling comfortable with their peers, having that stability of school can kind of help with the child. So I definitely can see the impact in that way always first. And then also when we do outreach events, just seeing them come on out and get food and relax and run around and actually feel free with their face painted to say and just be a child. So I think that's mm. one of the biggest impacts that I always see that how Project Catch is that link to the child's success and happiness at, in their education. God, what meaningful work you're doing, oh, truly. I mean, to be able to witness that and to know that the work you do is contributing to that and helping stabilize a child is, and, and stabilizing probably a family, you know, even beyond the child, but obviously those are related. Just, I really can't think of anything that more meaningful. So that's very cool. And I'm curious, you know, we just have a few minutes left here, but but I'm curious if you could share with our listeners what your next steps are uh, for Project Catch. You know, what do you hope or envision that your organization or others like it will do next to continue this kind of good work? Okay, because I'm just such a dreamer. I have a few. <laughs> Great. Okay, good. Well, maybe if you don't say them, you know, no one will ever know. So this is maybe your opportunity. Maybe a listener out there will somehow make it happen. Right, right. I have to speak it out. So I do think one of the things is, of course, to continue on with that promotion of early childhood education and just being able to fill those gaps where we have that 92 underserved. My next goal is really to, I really want to push Project Catch into the ways to kind of further education. Sometimes a lot of our clients, when they get to the 18, they don't know what to do after that. Like, and a lot of our teenagers and preteens go underlooked. They're seen as the parent. They're helping out with their siblings. So I want to be able to provide something for them. So I would love to expand Project Catch and not only promote their early childhood education and education until the 18, but just seeing them achieve to go back to get their degree, a trade or anything of that nature. I want to be able to support and work with more organizations to promote that aspect. So that's something I really look forward to. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Right. Because life, people's life paths hardly end at 18, right? There's so much more to go. And I love the idea, especially of a uh, either college or, or some sort of trade or vocational education, because developing any kind of skill, whatever it is that the kid has a natural proclivity for, but, you know, any kind of skill development is, I mean, I'm stating something that's so obvious, but it's, it's just so fundamental. And then they can use those skills to build a career and build a life for themselves. And that's incredibly powerful. So I love that. Well, hopefully maybe, maybe somebody has heard you, uh, Charmaine, now when this is, when this is published and they will reach out, how do they get in touch with you? What, what's a good way to learn more about Project Catch um, and, or contact you? Yeah, so you can always contact me through my email. It's really, really long, um, but I can definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's my first name, Charmaine.joiner at uss.salvationarmy.org. Yeah, very long. Great. That is that is a little bit of a mouthful, but I uh, I appreciate that. And what about learning more about Project Catch? And maybe you could, I wonder if there's a link to you uh, on the website or something like that. Yeah, I can definitely share a link with you to our website where you can actually um, get our referral form and learn more about our programs that we offering and kind of see the team. Great. Thank you for that. And I'm sure people could probably just Google too, um, Project Catch, maybe what Salvation Army, Wake County, and it'll yes. come up. 
Perfect. Be, it should be the first one you may, or if you see a video, it may be a old ugly video of me, but. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's funny. Charmaine, thank you so much for joining. It was really moving and inspiring to hear about the work that you and your colleagues are doing at Project Catch and at the Salvation Army of Wake County, you know, just generally, but particularly here with Project Catch. Thank you so much for being a guest and thank you for the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you do as well. It's great to be here.